Lord, I pray that every heart would be open, every ear would hear, Lord, and that the word, the seed would go down deep and it would produce a hundredfold, Lord, in our lives. God, we want to be good ground. We want to hear your word. Lord, we want to go out of here changed and transformed. And everybody said, amen. So welcome to Resurrection Sunday. Come on, good time to celebrate. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about what Jesus has done for us. And if you've been in church for a while, hey, just fresh ears, just get on it. And uh, it's going to be good. And then I'm just going to talk about a couple of things that Jesus said after he resurrected, because that's I think that would be important. Amen. All right, let's go to Romans 6, 22. First, uh, Romans 6, chapter, chapter 20. Wow. Slow down, Corey. I know you're excited, but slow down. <laughs> Come on. Romans 6, 22 and 23 says, But now that you have been set free from sin, amen. You know, he set you free from sin, eh? The power of sin. Come on. You don't have to just sin just every time you're breathing. You're not sinning. Okay. We'll get there. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, how many love that they're a slave of God? You just got no choice. Just serve him. Be under his influence. Come on. No one likes that word, right? We were set free from sin because we were slaves to something else. Sin, we just couldn't help it. We just keep sinning because we're just in our flesh and there's no power to withstand it. And we tried hard and we, we tried to stop sinning, but we couldn't stop. And the power of sin would just overwhelm us and we would just do whatever sin wanted us to do. But we got set free from sin and now we're a slave to God. We're a slave to righteousness. Woo! So now we just can't help but be righteous. Now we just can't help but do good works and good deeds because the Spirit of God is within us, enabling us. Amen. The fruit get, gets lead to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin, if you want to know what a, what a bad pay packet looks like, right here, what are my wages going to be? Death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our our Lord, I'm so thankful that we chose eternal life. Amen, the free gift of God. But the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So the payment of sin is death. We understand that. We were here on Friday. We talked about the cups. We talked about what Jesus went through. We, we're trying not to re-preach the whole thing because we're, we're now to Resurrection Sunday. But the reality is that our sin had a consequence, and that consequence, that payment, is death. We were meant to die for our sins. We were the ones who racked up the debt. We were the ones who, who sinned. We were the ones who had fallen short, not Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was sinless. He was our spotless lamb. But he came and he died on our behalf. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So a perfect spotless lamb was sacrificed on our behalf because the wages of sin are death. Sin has to be paid for. It cannot just be overlooked. It cannot have a blind eye turned towards it. Just ignore it, sweep it under the rug. It's going to have to eventually be paid for. And the Bible is very clear that Jesus died once and for all. The once and for all sacrifice for sin. He's paid for it. John the Baptist said over him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who does a cover up of sin. Come on, anyone know the Bible? You can preach at me and say, that's heresy, Corey, you didn't preach that right. Try again. Behold the Lamb of God 
who takes away, come on, who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who actually deals with sin. Not behold the Lamb of God who puts it under the rug. Not behold the the Lamb of God who does a a botchy cover-up job, but you can still see it. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So over, over Easter, we, are, we, are, we should do this every time we gather, pretty much. I mean, we're, I, don't, okay, I won't say what denomination we are, because people have, have opinions on denominations. I'll just say that we're Bible-believing, Spirit-filled Christians, all right? It's just Jesus followers, all right? <laughs> but he has taken away the sin of the world. And so we are not, we are not receiving an unfinished work. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. What does he mean? Sin is paid for. What does that mean for you and me? It means that sin has been dealt with. That when the enemy comes knocking and he looks at my life, I have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Colossians says that he has has taken every debt and nailed it to the cross. That he has defeated and disarmed every principality and power, which means there is no accuser. There is no evidence. There is nothing to be accused of because Jesus has taken away the sin of the world. And so we come to Resurrection Sunday. And I said to my kids in the car this morning, I said, why is it so important that Jesus rose from the grave? Why is it so important? We we know he died for our sins, but why is it so important that he rose from the grave? And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, we are still in our sins. So when Jesus rose from the dead, it is confirmation that sin has been dealt with. Because if sin hasn't been dealt with, Death still has power, and Jesus ain't coming out. <laughs> Whew, preaching in the choir this morning. If Jesus rose from the dead, it means once and for all time, sin, the power of sin, the one thing that was separating us from God, the one thing that had power over us, the one thing that we kept doing that the devil kept using to put guilt and shame on us, is now gone. Come on, that's a good time to amen. It's gone. But we have so many Christians who are still living in guilt and shame and condemnation. The Bible says if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Why? Because you've given. I've given my sin. I've given my shame. There was a great exchange. He became like me and died a death that I should have died. That I could rise like he did. Oh, come on. Because it ain't just about dying, it's about living. It's co-crucifixion. The cross is gone. It's co-crucifixion. If you've been here before, we used to have a beautiful, big old rugged cross, and I pointed to it all the time, and every time I point there, there's nothing there now. But it's over here. This one's not as, not as nice, in my opinion. It's very arty, but it, yeah, it was a big rugged one. Co-crucifixion, co-burial, and co-resurrection is what Easter is about. It is about dying with Jesus, 
being buried with Jesus, and then living with Jesus. Come on, the Bible says that he died to sin. He died to sin, and now he lives for God. The Bible goes on to say, you, Queenstown, you are dead to sin and alive to God. So you died to sin, now you live for God. You are unresponsive to sin. The power of sin comes knocking, tries to tell you that you're still there. I still got power over you. And we point to the cross. We point to the lamb. And we say, devil, you have no hold over me. Come on, my body might tell me that I'm still tempted. My mind might tell me that I'm still in that position. But my identity in Christ is that I'm dead to sin and alive to God. That I once was a sinner. Now I've been made a saint by the blood of the lamb. That's the victory that we have as Christians. So when Jesus rose from the dead, It was a public display to every principality and power that sin has been dealt with. The one weapon we had, which was death, is broken. That's why we sung this morning, oh, death, where is your sting? Come on, because Jesus has wiped away, has taken away all of our sins. Amen? Does that make sense? We could probably just go home now. That's enough to go off. But I want to talk about a little bit further today. I want to talk about what Jesus said on the day that he resurrected. I think that's super important. So we've got to understand, first and foremost, we can't go anywhere without understanding that we were sinners. We needed a Savior. Come on, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. God's seen that and didn't point his finger at us and say, ha, 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 you're never going to make it. He's seen us and sent his son. Come on. I don't know where you've been. I don't know if you've grown up in a church. I don't know if you've got a religious background, but you've got to see that God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Come on, there is good news and great joy for all of us that we could never obtain salvation, but God came down. Come on, he came down and he died on our behalf. So we have to understand that sin is an issue. Sin is what separates us and sin needed to be dealt with. And Jesus Christ dealt with sin upon the cross. So let's go to uh, um, John 20, verse 11 to 18. This is Mary in the garden. I want, to, I want us to see what he said to Mary, and then I want to see what he said to the disciples on that same day. I think it's really important. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, come on. How many love that moment when Jesus called your name? Come on, we'll stop you in your tracks right there. That the God of the universe knows your name. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned to him in, in Aramaic and said, Rabbit, oh wow, teacher. <laughs> Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father. And turn to your neighbor and say, Your Father. And to my God, and turn to your other neighbor and say, your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to his disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Right here, we've got to understand that Jesus 
when he rose from the dead, the first thing he says is that I have, I, that you must not cling to me for I must ascend to my father, your father, my God, your God. Right there, Jesus, because of the finished work of Jesus, he has brought us in to the family of God. You say, Corey, why are you, why are you talking about this today? Because all we concentrate on is our sins are being forgiven, and we never move on to identity. Because sin is a, is a massive issue, but sin had to be removed so that we could be reconciled. It's not just redemption. It's not just our sins paid for. It's reconciliation. The cross was not just about paying for sins. It was about reconciling humanity back to the Father. So when Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, I must ascend, you gotta understand, you gotta hear these words today. He's not, he was saying, my Father, my Father, my Father. Now that he's died on the cross and rose again, he's saying, my Father, your Father. Oh, what are you saying there, Jesus? You're telling me that I've been reconciled? Are you telling me that through your blood and through your sacrifice and the defeat of sin, that I have now been brought into the family of God? That I now have an identity, that I am not that I'm not an orphan or a, or a slave to sin. I'm now a son in the house of God. Come on, that's our King. That's what He did on the cross. He didn't just purchase us and redeem us, but He actually reconciled us back to the Father. Come on, Jeremiah 31. This is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. With the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. Come on, I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Come on, that's the fulfillment. My God, your God. My Father, your Father. This is the fulfillment of the new covenant that was birthed and laid by the blood of Jesus. The new covenant is, is established and built on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the new covenant is more than just your sins forgiven. It is reconciliation. Come on. Do not cling to me. Oh, sorry. I've gone back up. And I will be the God, and they shall be my people, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all. Come on, what was happening before this? Before this, there was a priest going in once a year, a high priest going in once a year, hearing the Lord on behalf of the rest of the nation. And if he wasn't right, he died. Imagine, imagine a relationship with God when you get to see him once a year. I don't know any relationship that that is going to be deep and intimate, where you're meeting up once a year. <laughs> I don't know of any relationship where your relationship is based on someone else having a relationship for you and telling you what happened. So God's plan and purpose was never for just one person to know Him. Come on, I'm preaching to a new covenant church right here. When we take this cup and we, we see the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, it is declaring 
I want every single one to know me. I don't want a guy on stage saying to everyone, you should know the Lord and I'll tell you about him. The covenant, the new covenant, the sacrifice of Jesus, the reconciliation that happened, that my father, your father, my God, your God brought you into intimacy. That every single one of us could be sons and daughters living in relationship with our father. Come on, friend, it's not enough just to come to church and say he died for my sins and then not have a relationship with him. It's not okay just to get pumped up on Easter and be like, I'm so glad that I'm not going to get in trouble for the bad stuff I did. Come on, there's so much more to the gospel. There's so much more to what Jesus did that you get to enter into relationship with him that I get up on Monday morning and none of you guys are there. Sad, I know. It'd be great if we could all live together. (laughs) But I get up on Monday morning and I get to go straight to the Father because of what Jesus has done. I get to hear His voice. I get to know His name. Come on, I get to have communion with Him and so do you. We get to close the door and no one else has seen and we're just communing with the Lord because of what Jesus has done. Come on, he didn't just forgive you, forgive you of sins just as you can run around and say, hey, I'm forgiven and not have a relationship with Jesus. He reconciled you, brought you back. Come on, somebody. Whew. Should I stop? I'll keep going. Let's go to John 20. John 20. So that's what he said to Mary Magdalene, my father, your father. My God, your God, that will just preach by itself. I could preach for that for three weeks. Sonship, daughtership will change your life. You're not an orphan. Come on, our spirits cry out, Abba, Father. Come on, if people could just, if Christians could just understand, hey, I'm not on my own. I actually have a Father who loves me. Come on, I've got a God who's for me. I've got a God that's with me. I'm in Him. He's in me. We have this abiding relationship. It's 24-7. Come on, we remain as one. We're continually present. God did not say that I'm going to make my hotel in you. He said I'm going to make my home in you. You keep, you keep living like he keeps checking out every Sunday night. Come on. He ain't leaving. He's there. He's with you. That was his plan. You know, when Jesus gave up his last breath, you know that the temple veil was torn in two. God couldn't get out of there fast enough. Okay. Imagine having that perspective, that when I go and pray and spend time with the Lord, there's that kind of urgency that he wants to get to me. Come on, we think we've got to beat the ground and yell and scream and try and convince an unwilling God to show up. Come on. Before you even had a thought to seek Him, He was already there. You just got to just, just admit it that, hey, God's going to love me more than I'm going to love Him. <laughs> He's going to want to hang out with me more than I want to hang out with Him. He's always going to be the pursuer in the relationship, and I'm just going to say, yes, 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 yes. Because he's not turning his back on me. He's not giving me the cold shoulder. Religion will teach us that we have to kind of do these things to try and get God to show up and move. Come on, read your Bible. What were you doing when Jesus came and died for you? You weren't even here yet. Come on. I've got to stay off these little rabbit holes. Amazes me. I love the Bible because it says, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
So any thought we had that we were doing all right and we were halfway there and then God came and topped us up, it's not the gospel. He loved us first. Come on, when we were at our worst, He gave His best. And so if you are struggling with intimacy, if you're struggling to be connected to the Lord, that's just a good thought to know. Hey, He saved you when you were at your worst. And so if you've had a bad day and a bad week, maybe a bad year, you run to Him. You run to Him because He didn't start loving you when you started doing good. He didn't start loving you when you turned up to church. He didn't start loving you when you started reading your Bible. Oh, okay. I'm not telling you not to read your Bible, by the way. <laughs> Do it out of a relationship of love. All right, let's go to John 20. He turns up to the disciples here. He says, on the evening of that day, this is resurrection, the resurrection day. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. And we could preach about that. Those four words right there. Peace be with you. Pretty much because he's just walked through a wall and scared everyone. <laughs> peace be with you. I also, peace be with you because I have paid for sins. Now there is peace between you and God. Peace with God. Peace with God. You were once a transgressor. You were once in the enemy's camp. You were once in your sin and shame, but because of what I have done on the cross, you have been washed with clean. There is now peace between humanity and God. The wrath of God has been poured out on the Son. Come on. Get this. The Bible says that it pleased the Father to bruise His Son. To have all the sin of the world fall onto one God-man. It's amazing. That sin entered the world through one man, Adam. Yet righteousness entered in because of the second Adam, Jesus. You know, everyone, no, we won't go there. The reality is that we're all plunged into sin by one, and I'm grateful that because of one, many are made righteous. I'm glad it's not up to me. I never would have made it. Thank God for Jesus. So peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace with God. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Here's what I want to concentrate on today. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. How was Jesus sent? As a son, revealing his Father. What do you say to Mary? My God, your God. My Father, your Father. And on the day of resurrection, he turns up to his disciples and says, as I was sent, I'm sending you. Well, you didn't think you were going to get a missional message today. <laughs> As I was sent, I'm sending you. Here's your identity, son and daughter of God. You have been reconciled. You have been paid for. You have been forgiven. 
Don't you dare stay behind locked doors. Don't you dare warm a seat every Sunday. Don't you dare say, Jesus, thank you for dying of my sins, and now I'm going to live for me. You were purchased for a reason. Come on, the blood of the lamb, the blood that was poured out was not for us to say, yay, I'm forgiven. Now give me 10 keys to live a successful life. I'm going to mispronounce the name and you're going to laugh at me, but the Morvanians, Morvians. They had a a slogan that says, may the lamb receive the reward for his suffering. It's time for the church to realize that again. The blood that was poured out for us is too precious for us just to stop at being forgiven. Jesus paid way too high a price for us to lift our hands and say, I'm forgiven, I'm still an orphan, and I'm still living for me. The Bible says that don't you realize that you were purchased with a price? Your life is not your own. So Jesus, on the day of his resurrection, says, let me keep this really healthy for you. You're a son. You're a daughter. You have a father. You have been reconciled. He prayed that we would be one as they are one. He prayed that we would be in unity. He prayed that the sons and the daughters, the brothers and sisters of Christ would be one and unified around the head that is Jesus. He says, I don't want you living in performance. I don't want you trying to discover who you are outside of me. I want to tell you who you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. Live in a relationship that looks like family. What does that look like, Corey? Well, guess what? I have four sons and one daughter. Not one of them had to get up this morning and prove and earn their sonship or daughtership. Even the naughty ones this morning are still mine. Come on. That's just a big load off. Okay. I'm his. Because of what Jesus has done, I'm his. That's never changing. He actually said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will not send you orphans. I will send my spirit. Come on, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you, with, I'm not gonna leave you just to figure out life. I'm not just going to leave you to be like, hey, the, the, the real disciplined ones, they're going to hit it. And the, the, the more simpler ones like Corey, they're probably going to miss it. He wants to father us. He wants to lead us. He wants to show us the way that is Jesus. So he's given us this beautiful identity. He doesn't say, okay, I don't want you to just be a son and daughter. Now take, take your spot on the shelf. 
take your spot in my display cabinet. He says, I was sent, I'm sending you. 2 Corinthians 5, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible says that the love of Christ compels us, that if one died, all died. What does that mean? That if Jesus died, then he paid for every person. The blood of Jesus has paid for all sin, so every person has the opportunity to say yes to him. The blood of Jesus didn't pay for the first 2,000 years, and the rest of us in 2023 are stuffed. (laughs) The blood of Jesus is not running out, that if one died, all died. Come on. And it says that Christ is in us, that God is in us, pleading through us, be reconciled to God as ambassadors of Christ, as sons and daughters about our Father's business, be reconciled to the Father. We've made the mistake of thinking that's for the evangelist and the preacher. It's for every son and every daughter that Christ within you would plead to your neighbor, be reconciled to God. Would you come to my Jesus? He's your Jesus. Come on. I was just like you. We're all saved the same way. None of us were doing better. We all fell short of the glory of God. All of us are getting in the same way. None of us are jumping the fence. None of us are getting through other religions. None of us are getting through New Age. None of us are getting through self-help books. There's only one way, and His name is Jesus. And this is the Jesus that we're, that we're preaching about today. This is the Jesus that we're lifting high. And I don't know everyone in this room, and I'm not here to offend you. You might be from another religion, but I have to say with love in my heart, there's only one way, and His name is Jesus. I would do you an injustice to say that you could be saved some other way. He said, I am not one of the ways. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one else that proclaimed to be God actually rose from the dead, but one. And his name is Jesus. Come on, his name is Jesus. And so we have purpose, we have mission, because he says, I, as, I, as, as I was sent, I'm sending you, church. Come on, Easter. Come on, resurrected Jesus. Come on, death, burial, and resurrection. Now I'm not alive for me. I'm alive for Jesus. My whole life is meant to be poured out for the Lamb of God. Come on, he doesn't want my Sunday 10 a.m. He wants my life. He doesn't want a tithe. He wants everything. (laughs) Come on, he doesn't want part of me. He doesn't want a season. He wants all of it. And so it's time for the church to just realize that who we are and why we're here. Because the cross, it's gone again. (laughs) The cross preaches a better way. Come on, Paul said that that if our hope is only in this life, we are the most miserable of people. 
Because we're never going to die. We're going to live for eternity. But here's the cold hard facts this morning. Without Jesus, many are going to die an eternal death. And guess who Jesus left on the planet to tell people? Us. So I'm going to make a statement this morning that Jesus needs to get what he paid for. And so no one's looking at their neighbor this morning. Everyone's looking at themselves because what he paid for was you. (laughs) He paid for you. He wants you. He wants you free from sin. He wants you forgiven. He wants you with an identity. Oh, I could preach this morning. Come on, the world right now is so confused about who they are. And it's because the church has stopped preaching the gospel that says God will actually give you an identity. We keep telling them that they're bad and they need their sins forgiven. You're right. All of us do. But we haven't told them that they can become sons and daughters. And notice how I said sons and daughters. Mm. Notice I said son or daughter. This is not bashing anyone. This is to speak truth into confusion. Jesus, the Son of God, He said, I must ascend to my Father, your Father. Tell my brothers, tell my sisters. You have an identity. Come on, the reason I know who I am is because I know the great I am. So there has to be grace and compassion to understand that if people have not heard the gospel, how do we expect them to know who they are? Of course, picking a gender seems like an option if you don't know the truth of Jesus. So it's time for us to stop pointing the finger and start proclaiming the gospel that there is a Jesus that came and died for our sins, that your past, the things you've been doing, the mistakes you've made, there is one that I'm going to point you to who can wash it all away. Oh, come on. That's good news. He can wash it all away. Do I need to pay penance? No, you do not. Do I need to pay anything? No, it's been paid for. Hmm. Was that that greasy gospel? No, it's the gospel. (laughs) It's not you doing the work and God doing the work. God does the work. And then you are empowered to do the good works. Your sin can be forgiven. By the way, we've all sinned. There's not big sins, little sins. We've all sinned. Come on. We we, we keep pointing fingers at at, at people in same-sex relationships, but... People are living together and sleeping together, and we don't bat an eyelid at them. Sin is sin. Jesus came to destroy sin, not to enforce it and say, hey, guys, keep sinning. It's all good. I paid for it. Come on. Shoot, I got heavy today. It's all right. The sausages and bouncy castles coming. If you can hang with me. Stay with me, church. Please, I pray you hear my heart. I just, I can't. I can't preach anything else. I can't change the gospel. I can't dilute it. It's the truth that sets us free. 
And I'm not preaching against people, I'm preaching for Jesus, amen? So you have identity, you have, you have purpose, you have mission. Corey, what is, what is the mission of my life? What, is, what has God called me to do? He's called you to be the salt of the earth. Come on, he's called you to be the light set on a hill. What's he called you to do? He's called to do the good works and glorify the Father. What does that look like? Loving, forgiving, praying, healing, mm, casting out demons, all that cool stuff that God still does today. And in 50 days, we'll get all excited and celebrate Pentecost, but it's already coming. Sorry. I'll stay in Easter. I'll stay in Easter. I'll stay, I'll stay Resurrection Sunday. But this is all available to us now because of Jesus. And so I need you to know today, church, that you've got an identity, you've got a mission, you've been equipped. You are lacking in no good thing. The Bible says that we have everything pertaining to life and godliness. What does it require? It requires faith. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to be forgiven. Without faith, it's impossible to receive your identity. Without faith, it's impossible to live on mission. Without faith, it's impossible to forgive and love people. I have to put my trust and my hope in Jesus and say, Jesus, what you did on the cross, you did it on the cross. So I won't, by faith, I will not live one more day in guilt, shame, and condemnation. In faith, I will not live in apathy, but I will be on mission, that I will be about my Father's business, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Come on, I'd love to just talk about that today, but you... you, you when you understand that every time you speak to someone, every time you pray, every time you choose to forgive, what you're really doing is loving the Lord. God, this is, this is an offering for the Lamb. I was wronged, but I'm gonna forgive them. This is an offering for the Lamb. There's someone on crutches. Let me pray for you. They get healed. This is an offering to the Lamb. Come on, he needs to start getting what he's paid for. Come on, he needs to start getting what he's paid for. Every time I choose... Come on, to, to live righteousness. Every time I say no to temptation and no to sin and say yes to the Holy Spirit, it's an offering to the Lamb. Every time I lift my, my voice and worship and proclaim the goodness of God, it's an offering to the Lamb. Would He get what He's paid for? Every time someone gets saved, it's a... Come on. Uh, it has to be deeper. If we could have a deeper understanding of what we're doing, it's an all an offering to Him because He's worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who was and is and is to come. Come on, we give our lives for this. He gave His life that we would give our lives. That's why, like, you know, I, I know most, most people have got, like, a cool tat that says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But I hope you realize what you're doing. That means I don't live for me. It's not I go to church and I live for myself. It's I don't live for me, I live for the Lamb. I live my life unto Jesus. Come on, when the Bible tells us to take up our cross daily. When Jesus took up his cross, what he was doing was taking up the will of God for his life. He was fulfilling the Father's will. The Bible says we're meant to do the same thing. Take up your cross and follow. The Bible says if you try and save your own life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, You'll find it. So Christianity is about our forerunner, Jesus. But Christianity is about co-crucifixion, co-burial through baptism, and co-resurrection, which is living in the Spirit for Him. And so as we gather on Resurrection Sunday, I pray that the Word of God is going deep in your heart.
you would be empowered and equipped to fall madly in love with Jesus, to see him on the cross and realize he's there for me. He's there for me. And then if we could look a little bit further and see the crowd that's surrounding and seeing Jesus on the cross and plead on behalf of God, be reconciled to Christ. Come on, come back to the Father. Don't die in your sin. Don't pay for something that's already been paid for. Don't waste your life trying to pay for something that's already been paid for. Stop trying to clean yourself when there's one who can wash you completely clean. Come on, you're doing a terrible job. You're not getting behind your ears. You can't reach your back. (laughs) You're never going to be fully clean. Come on, give up already. Give up. It's funny, the world keeps preaching to us that we just got to try harder and be the hardest work in the room. Christianity is the opposite. It's for those who realize that they're weak, that they're in the end of themselves and surrender their lives to Jesus. And it's only then I get made strong. It's in my weakness. It's in my realization of my humility. I need Jesus. And not just on the day. This day, 17 years ago, a lost, more-haired young man and his girlfriend walked into an Easter Sunday service just like this. Put their hands up to receive salvation. Realized we can't. There's too much hurt. There's too much brokenness. I've done too much. I can't get myself out of this hole. I can't pull myself out of this pit. Maybe Jesus is real. Maybe if I run to Jesus, he'll pull me out. Maybe if I run to Jesus, he'll clean me up. Maybe if I run to Jesus, I'll actually leave behind my insecurities and my confusion. Maybe I'll find identity. Maybe I'll find purpose. Maybe I'll find forgiveness. I can tell you after 17 years, best decision we ever made. Because Jesus is still saving. The blood of Jesus is still speaking a better word. He's still saving, healing, and delivering. And he'll continue to until he comes back. But I believe the word of the Lord to us is be about my business. Be about the family business. What's the family business about? Destroying the works of the devil and giving glory to to the Father through the Son. Every single person in this room is called to do that. You may never stand on a stage and preach the gospel, but, oh, come on. That cake you baked, that text you sent, that time that you heard the Holy Spirit say, man, I just really feel like I should ring this person to see if they're all good. And you prayed you don't understand. That was an offering to the Lamb. Come on, that hug you gave to that person who has no family that walked in the doors feeling lost and helpless, but experienced the love of Jesus because you actually paid them attention and said hello, that was an offering to the Lamb. That petrol you paid for, that wood you chopped, 
that meal you made, that was an offering to the Lamb. And He's worthy of all of those inconvenient, uncomfortable times. He's worthy of a pause. He's worthy of a God, thank you that I'm not alive for me today. I'm alive for you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. We have the band come up and I'll um, re-preach this again and then we'll close. So you're redeemed, but you're not put on a shelf. You're forgiven, but you're not wasting away your days. You're a people redeemed and reconciled, living in a way that brings glory to the Lamb of God. And so Jesus, come on, let's just close our eyes in the presence of God. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would confirm the word right now, that you would touch hearts and lives in this place. God, we are, make no mistake about it, we are so grateful for what you've done on the cross. But Lord, today we actually believe the only way that we can truly honor you is by actually having faith and living that faith out. That your sacrifice on the cross accomplished so much more. So Lord, I pray that we would believe enough not just to get to heaven, but to get heaven into us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. What does that look like? Jesus in my marriage, your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. In my family, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my personal life, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, every head is bowed and eyes closed, and every saint is praying in this place. here is heaven on earth, I believe. And we'll be rejoicing with the angels if someone gives their life to Jesus. We had someone give their life on Friday night, Friday morning. But is there anyone else here today would say, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus.